So 1 Samuel chapter 9. There's a man from Benjamin whose name was Cush. He has a son named Saul. Saul is handsome. He is taller than anyone else in Israel. And I think this guy is the guy who's going to be the next king because he certainly looks like a king. But I love what, uh, I, in one of the children's books that I read with my kids, uh, Kevin DeYoung I wrote, it's called God's Biggest Story. He says uh, this about Saul. He kind of has one line, you know, about Saul's whole life. He says, Saul was pretty impressive height-wise and pretty disappointing in every other way. And, and that's pretty, pretty good to summarize the life uh, of Saul. But you, you, if you read through the stories, so here's this guy. He's introduced as a really tall and handsome man. And, and why I emphasize that is because the Bible does, and because I want you to pay attention to this, that whenever the Bible gives physical descriptions of people, it's almost always very important. The Bible just doesn't do this. Uh, but when it does, you got to always pay attention to it. Like So like Rachel and Leah. Remember that back in the book of Genesis? Or uh, even... even uh, uh, if you read about Samson and his long hair, or if you read about Ehud and his left hand, uh, and, or, or Eli and that he was fat, uh, all of these different things, they, they, they almost always, I mean, maybe always, seem to be really significant to the story. And, and the author is trying to show you, look, this guy from the tribe of Benjamin looks like everything you would want in a king. But then he starts to actually tell stories about him. And like the first thing is his dad is like, hey, go out and try to find our lost donkeys. And he travels all over the place and he can't find uh, any donkeys. And so you're introduced to this really good looking guy, but he can't even find any donkeys. Then when the day comes that Saul is gonna be anointed, because God's king is going to be anointed. He's going to be the anointed one. He'll be like, he'll be the Messiah, the anointed one. When it's time for him to be, uh, come the king, to be put over the people of Israel like they want so they can be like all the other nations. Do you know where he is? You read the text and he's hiding in the baggage and they have to go and they have to find him among all these bags or whatever they have, this, this baggage, and they have to bring him out so that they can make him king. And you think, what, this is the king you want? You're going to reject God? who's able to destroy the God of the Philistines and, and fight his way out of the Philistine country. Remember what was going on with the Ark? For a, for a tall, handsome guy who can't find any donkeys and, and uh, who hides in the baggage when you need him. But this is what the people want. This is the kind of king. Uh, this, this, this is what they're asking for. Well, to be fair, Saul does for a while, as he's encouraged by Samuel, he, he does follow the Lord, it seems like. He does for, for a while. And, and God's Spirit works through Saul, even as inadequate as he is. And God does give them some victories through Saul. But then you come to 1 Samuel chapter 12, and you'll see in the heading, Samuel's farewell ad address. And, and we're not going to really go through it, but, but Samuel reflects back on what God has been doing for Israel, and he really challenges them at the end of his, at the end of his life, that even though they've forsaken uh, the Lord, really by by asking for this king in this way, he challenges them. Look, I'll pray for you, and because they're asking to pray for him, he says, "I'll pray for you." And, and the main thing you need to love the Lord. You need you need to obey, because if you don't, it's going to go horribly for you and for the king that you've asked for. 
And this is, this is very similar to the end of Moses' life and his farewell address and Joshua's life and his fare, farewell address. Well, Samuel doesn't die yet, though. He's still on the scene, and then we're introduced to kind of the downfall of Saul, right? It's not because he's from the tribe of Benjamin, and it's not because he's tall and handsome. That's not his problem, okay? What's Saul's problem? 1 Samuel chapter 13, Samuel had told Saul to, to wait for him, and, not, and, and then he would come down and he would offer some sacrifices. And you know what Saul does? When Samuel delays, he takes things into his own hands and he doesn't listen to the word of the Lord. That's, that is his problem. Samuel comes down and he asks Saul, what have you done? And Saul basically blames the people. When I saw the people scattering, I felt like I needed to do this. I forced myself. This is for Samuel 13, verse 12. I forced myself to do it. I really didn't want to do it. I just kind of, you know, just the knife kind of slipped out and I just, I just had to do it. You know, I had, to, I had to kill the animal. And Samuel said to Saul, this is 1 Samuel 13, 13. You want to know the problem with Saul? You've done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God. That's your problem. God would have established your kingdom. Verse 14, but now your kingdom will not continue. And look at what it says. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded. You see it? Saul is not going to continue. God is seeking out a man after his own heart to be the king of the people of God. God does want there to be a king, but he wants the king to be a man after his own heart. God is looking for a certain kind of man to be king, and it's not Saul. <clears throat> Saul's problem is not where he came from or what he looks like. His problem is fundamentally he does not obey the word of the Lord. And this comes to its culmination in 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15, God has given Saul a very specific task. He is supposed to go out and fight against Israel's enemies, and he is supposed to destroy them. These are the Amalekites. They, Saul is to destroy them completely, kill the king, and Saul goes out and God gives him the victory, and Saul will not do what God says. He will not kill the king, Agag. And so Samuel comes to him, uh, and, and Saul uh, has not fulfilled what God has said. And Samuel basically says, Saul, why, you know, what, what have you done? And Saul says, oh, look, look uh, I've performed the commandment of the Lord. This is 1 Samuel 15, verse 13. He sees Samuel, he says, oh, blessed be you to the Lord. I've performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? It says, you were supposed to devote everything to destruction. What have you done? Why do I hear all the sheep? What am I listening to? Saul said, they brought them from the Amalekites because the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Is that true? Is that why they kept them so they could offer these in sacrifices to the Lord? The truth is, it doesn't matter. If that's true or not, why? Because it's not what God said. Say, but oh, what if they had good motives? 
and what they were doing. Maybe that's why they spared these, because they really did want to offer them as sacrifices to the Lord. It doesn't matter. God told them to devote everything to destruction. Kill the king, devote the people to destruction. Don't take any of this stuff. And they've spared it. <coughs> Samuel said to Saul, verse 16, 1 Samuel 15, 16, Stop. Stop. Don't say that. I will tell you what the Lord has said to me tonight. And he said to him, Speak. Samuel said, Though you're little in the eyes, in your own eyes, aren't you the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you as king. The Lord sent you on a mission. Go, devote to destruction the Amalekites. Fight until they're consumed. Why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil? Verse 20, Saul said to Samuel, I've obeyed. I've done the mission. I brought Agag the king. I've devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But we just kept the best stuff. So we could, so we could sacrifice to the Lord your God. And Samuel said, this is 1 Samuel 15, 22, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry because you've rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. And we learn something from that. You might ha we might have good reasons in our own minds for what we do, good motives. But if we're not obeying what God has said, it doesn't matter. To obey, Samuel says, is better than sacrifice. Oh, I kept this stuff so I could sacrifice to the Lord. To obey God's word is better than sacrifice. God doesn't care about the fat of rams. He wants an obedient heart, submission to his word. And herein is Saul's fundamental problem. He would not submit his life as the king of Israel to the Lord his God and to the word of the Lord. And so Samuel goes to, to leave and Saul's all distressed. And so Sam, Saul grabs onto Samuel's robe and tears his robe. In 1 Samuel 15, 28, Samuel said to him in response, So the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Because God has rejected self as from being king. And God is saying, I've sought out a better king, a man after my own heart.